Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey, 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 you are in a Mississippi minute, don't forget. Before we get started today, as I always remind you, there are so many fabulous things to do right here in Mississippi. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out a whole lot more. My guest credits today reads like an encyclopedia. It's that impressive. His songs as a writer or a music publisher spans across several genres and includes BMI award winners, chart-topping singles at Christian Radio, and songs on several Dove Award and Grammy Award winning gold and platinum albums. Are you kidding me? His songs have already been recorded by Lauren Daigle, who's on fire right now, Carrie Job, Josh Wilson, The Band Unspoken, Gold City, and more than a hundred others. His tunes have also been featured on both film and TV globally, including networks, all the majors, NBC, CBS, Fox Sports, ABC Family, UPN, and more. As an educator, which really matters to him, he's taught commercial songwriting in the Curb College of Entertainment and Music Business at Belmont University, I know it well, as well as music industry songwriting and worship ministry leadership courses and a curriculum designed consultant at Lipscomb University, now my beloved Delta State University at the DMI with us. We're having a blast already. Trevecca Nazarene University, Truett McConnell University. Are you kidding me? So much this man does. I'm looking forward to getting to know him better. I've had lunch with him and that's it. So together we will find out what makes this man tick. There's a whole lot of faith in this man in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. The man himself, Mr. James Teeley. What's up, James? Hey, Steve. How are you, sir? Honored to get to be with you. This is fun, man. <laughs> I know, man. I had a great lunch with you the other day, and our boy Richard there that runs the show at the Delta Music Institute was excited to have you aboard, and after I got to meet you, I was equally as excited, and it's a it's a blessing for our school for sure. Well, it's a treat. Treat to get to uh, do some stuff back in the state of Mississippi again. Yeah, I love it. All right, so here's the deal. Obviously, you're a man of faith, but mm-hmm. a lot of times folks don't get to use in their careers, you know, what's 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 the centerpiece of their life and you've gotten to be able to parlay both as one and and have a big career so take me back to it's got to come back from your folks the beginning obviously there's some core values take me back to your younger years and then when music started to become part of your being as well 
Yeah, that really is a uh, a rare and unique treat, kind of uh, a dangerous thing as well to have your face and your paycheck uh, <laughs> anchored in the same uh, location. But it certainly does uh, start early. I was a pastor's kid uh, growing up. Uh, in fact, uh, all the way back to my uh, grandmother playing piano there at First Baptist Church at Brookhaven, Mississippi, back in the day. And my uh, dad was a pastor of a little church just outside of Brookhaven, Mississippi for a while. I was born when we were in Texas. Uh, what I knew growing up, just in my own family, he was a pastor, but my entire family was really musical. I was the youngest of four kids. Still am the youngest of four kids, I suppose. <laughs> but man, there was just music going all the time in the house, and my dad was a songwriter uh, growing up, not professionally, but he just wrote songs all the time for any random event that happened in our lives. You know, if somebody was having a birthday. In fact, every time we visited as a family a new state, my dad would always write a song about that state and you know he'd be working at it in the car as we're driving we played these little rhyming games uh driving around on uh, family vacations so i just assumed all families were that way like you just <laughs> you know if something new happens in your life you write a song about it right every family does yeah that. turns out that was unique to my family so that intersection of faith and music was pretty natural uh, from the earliest days and i learned basically how to express my emotions, even just how to communicate with the world uh, as a musical foundation. My first cut, I'm going to call it a cut, was in kindergarten when I wrote a song about Thanksgiving and my kindergarten class performed it at our little <laughs> kindergarten Thanksgiving play. Uh, obviously, that's, uh, you know, that was fun. My teacher humored me enough to uh, let us do some little uh, children's song that I had written. But really, I just assumed from the earliest days that there could be no cooler life than getting to write songs. And because I was a man of faith growing up in a, a household of faith, it was pretty natural um, for that language to enter into the uh, songs I was writing uh, all along the way. Moving to Nashville, of course, I came uh, to Nashville as a uh, high school kid and getting ready for college. I uh, actually was a student at Belmont University in Nashville as well. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I actually began to realize an entire music industry existed around gospel music and around songs of faith and artists of faith and there were you know some big changes going on there where they were starting to recognize even younger audiences more than just music for churches but uh christian radio stations were starting to pop up all over the place so i came of age at a season where a whole christian music industry was really taking off uh, especially the, uh, here in the city of nashville tennessee when you were younger so probably we're all around the same age. Uh, I'm thinking of Amy Grant. She's been on my show as well. And uh, obviously, Amy was taken off at a young age. We were, you know, teenagers, probably probably around. I, I bet we're within four, four or five years of Amy. So when you were there, was she starting to pop? Uh, yeah, and I would say she had already popped by then because she, by the age of 17, uh, was already, uh, you know, having a pretty explosive career. And so... You know, at that point, she was 17. I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, something like that. So Amy Grant has always, because of that kind of explosive career uh, she had right from the start, a huge crush for me. And I've I've met Amy and, Gen, uh, Amy and Vince probably five or six times now and get a sentence out in front of that woman because I still get freaked out. Yeah. And I'm a 14-year-old <laughs> kid again with a crush on Amy Grant. And I say, hello, Mrs. Gill, and yeah. I can talk to Vince like it's no big deal, but yeah. Amy, I can't even speak to because I uh, still have me a little Amy Grant uh, crush. Yeah. She definitely, she and Michael W. Smith both kind of defined 
the Christian music industry for a whole generation, for sure. They transcended their genre, and musically they became pop stars. So especially Amy, right? I mean, well, you know, the, the bottom line is if you don't have those moments, your genre sort of stays confined and within the walls that, you know, that makes them. So sure. you think about that. Now now we're looking at, let's fast forward all the way. And I've been turned on uh, to Lauren Daigle, right? So, mm-hmm. so you have a great story about Lauren and you sort of the beginning of it all. And I just popped the question the other day. Well, you, you, know, you know of this girl? And you go, well, not only do I know of the girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So tell the story behind you and Lauren, how you guys met and how that all happened. It's, it's just because she's doing the same thing right now. So say there's Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas as Amy Grant. Now you got Tiger Woods as Lauren, right? Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. She has taken over uh, for sure. So uh, one of the record labels that I was a staff songwriter for a company called Centricity Records that is now her record label um, uh, for a big, long time and have been a consultant for them for uh, the years that follow. Um, we do an event uh, just about every year until uh, Rona came in and uh, ruined things, inviting independent uh, artists to come and do a retreat in Washington State Um, just to kind of help them. It it really is about investing in them, doing interviews with different departments from the record label so that bands can understand kind of what a record label does. We'll always bring along some songwriters and producers, so co-writing sessions with uh, other professionals. They'll do a showcase as a part of that week uh, as well. So with one of those bands, uh, at the last minute, uh, there were some extra spaces available, and a band from... Uh, Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, that uh, we had invited to the retreat, um, asked if they could bring along this uh, background singer uh, with them, this girl who was just a part of their uh, crew of people, sang with them sometimes, and she did. Lauren came along just as a background singer for this other band. On the first day we arrived at this retreat, the lead singer for the band, uh, his appendix ruptured and had to be life-flighted into Seattle. It was a really frightening and dangerous situation. He was well taken care of. The next day, uh, the band was supposed to do a showcase. Um, Their lead singer, of course, is down now, so they asked if they could still participate in the showcase, but maybe just have one of their background singers sing a worship song, something familiar, whatever, just so that they could still have a chance to participate. So Lauren stepped up to sing some... uh, you know, contemporary worship song. This was probably 2011, maybe, I think. Uh, she was a, a LSU student still at that point, 19 years old. And within a few bars of her starting to sing, it was so obvious. There was such an uncommon, not only really stunning timbre to her voice, but also this charisma behind the microphone that the uh, professional writer who was sitting next to me immediately elbowed me in the side really hard, actually, yeah. <laughs> and said, we're, we're riding with that girl tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And sure enough, we did. Co-wrote her first song ever, first time she had ever sat down to try and write a song around a grand piano there in Winthrop, uh, Washington. Wow. Um, and we've had a bunch of fun experiences uh, since then. She is in a whole different stratosphere than me now, and I haven't gotten to talk to Lauren in about the last 12 months, but uh, really a remarkable artist and has had just a stellar career since those humble beginnings as a background singer for a, a worship band from South Louisiana. I'm sure she was having a, a wonderful celebration last year when Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers took it all. So I'm sure she was you celebrating there. We're with my pal James Tillier in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Visit Mississippi.org, <laughs> folks, the place to go. He knows a whole lot about the history and the culture that we have that we love to celebrate. No place better than to do it this weekend. I'm Steve Azar. I'll be right back. Welcome to Mississippi.
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When you're young, you think you know it all. I am Steve Azar on occasions. I'm with James Teeley, who is the youngest of four. And if he wasn't the youngest of four anymore, James, I have a feeling that you you wouldn't be around so let's just be let's be grateful that you're still the youngest of four uh i am the fourth of fifth so i want to stay in that in that slot for a while if the good lord will let me you're in the keep mississippi beautiful studio as always visit mississippi.org folks so many wonderful things to do to celebrate that represent us so well uh that you may not know about check it out Check out the website and uh, go uh, plan a trip with your family. Just a short drive away. It's probably in your backyard. You don't even know it. Uh, James, let's jump to uh, your... I always like talking about when you get your first taste of success that lets you know, okay, I can do this for a living. Mm. You know, honestly, I still some days uh, have to wonder whether or not uh, that's the case. The music industry has obviously changed so dramatically but uh, really, any time somebody shows any level of interest in the music that you're creating, it does feel like a major milestone kind of an event. And I know um, as a high school student, I did an internship. I was in New Orleans, I did junior high and high school in New Orleans. And in my senior year, I did an internship at an advertising agency there. And simultaneously, I'm cataloging uh, production music and all of these companies from Nashville and realizing, man... There's so much music going on in Nashville. I need to figure out how to get there. And at the same time, we had a spot come along for Louisiana Power and Light um, that they had not budgeted money for. It was like a public service announcement about, I think it was a Christmas time kind of thing, actually. And uh, my boss said, hey, just for the pitch, we've got a pitch uh, later this week for LPNL. Do you have enough music gear that you could actually record a little something just to kind of put behind the pitch that we're making to this company? And I did and got to uh, end up actually scoring a piece uh, for this LPNL commercial hmm. um, as a high school kid. And I just thought, man, if I could build a whole life just sitting with my, you know, I had some little analog keyboards and a little digital sequencer actually trying to figure out how to make some music um, sit in a closet in a room somewhere, uh, probably in Nashville, Tennessee, and write songs for commercials, what could be the better life? And that, I really came to Nashville wanting to write jingles that way specifically, thinking that might uh, be the career for me. That that was my first time to get to go into a studio and record some music for that uh, spot as a 17-year-old kid at that point. And then getting to Nashville, and all of a sudden, this whole world of brilliant music opened up to me, and a huge industry with such a a huge variety of ways to plug into the music industry, even. You know, people with a law degree, people with an accounting degree, so many different aspects of uh, what it means to run a music industry like that. I just thought, man... I've got to figure out a way to spend the rest of my life working in uh, in this music industry. Uh, the industry, like you said, has changed greatly. So for you on your, in your world, let's just take uh, Christian music, okay? And let's take yeah. my side of the fence, which is more in the country blues, I guess more country blues side. So, you know, obviously yeah. we were late to the dance when, when all this was happening and understanding that sales were going away. Uh, and people were starting to stream. And now where we are today, I mean, it's in the last year and the la- year before, things are moving pretty fast toward no sales at all unless we've gone retro and it's vinyl, right? So right. what's your genre like as far as sales? Are people still buying product at all? 
and no. Product at this point is really more meant to be an artifact of an event. It seems to me that artists are still selling physical pieces of product when a live concert happens. And it's almost like people aren't buying that CD so that they can listen to the music because they can listen to the music just by talking to their Amazon speaker or uh, uh, Google speaker or whatever and telling it to play a song. Instead, they want a memento of that concert that they went to, of that interaction they had with that artist. So it is almost more like it's just a... A, a way of remembering a special live event that you experience. So, yes, that's certainly true in the Christian gospel music uh, industry as well, which, you know, that's an interesting uh, side note for me personally, just that intersection of faith and commerce. Because the amount of money that is available to be made in Christian music, I think is so much smaller than the country market, certainly than the pop market or the hip-hop market. I actually am really, really excited about streaming potential. It's kind of like I had one penny before, and now I can only get one-fourth of a penny in the grand right. scheme of things. <laughs> Neither of those amounts matter much. But it means now every song that gets released has so much wider a potential audience. You know, my, my goal has to be as a gospel writer, not uh, how much sales can we generate anymore, but how many they put on this song how many people can hear this song and now the barrier to entry is so low you know anybody right now in the state of mississippi with a laptop could record a song and with almost no financial uh investment up front release that music to the world right that's a great thing because it means you know you can have people listening to your stuff it's also a difficult thing because everybody is releasing music now it's so easy to release. Well, you have to have, it's it's what you're doing now afterwards. And obviously you're as an educator more than ever, more than ever. You're talking streaming and, and you put your song out yourself and all that. Well, you got to get it to people. So how do you do that and wade through the crowd of music that's coming out and, and actually impact or, or make a difference at some point, you know, maybe you're satisfied as a kid of, oh my God, there's 32 people listening, but then you want, you get to college, you want 3,200 and then you want 32,000 and 32 million. You know what I mean? So the, the point is you want this constant growth because you want more, but but it is interesting. And also, you bring up a point about events. You know, I sort of quit bringing, my merch guy sort of quit bringing pictures. He said, let's just do CDs with your picture on them and sign them because they are more moment, uh, uh, memento than anything instead of signing a picture. So that's sort of, it's been an easier way of dealing with, especially when we like to fly to shows rather than bus, I spent over 15 years on a bus and I got really tired of it, you know, living in a cap, yeah. living in a little capsule, you know, going down, going down the highway. You look outside your window, James, I swear, I swear that all it is is trees and interstate. That's all you see, you know, and yeah. uh, until you get to a big city or something, but or, or, or pull into a nice downtown Main Street and, and set your gear up and get to play, but. A lot of times it's just interstates and trees. So, uh, right. But with that said, that's sort of what we've been doing as well. Now, s- streaming, as you know, the laws are needing to catch up, it's been a difficult thing. Uh, some of the laws, obviously, uh, for social media are backdated to 1996. And, uh, and now we're dealing with streaming, and there's certain uh, uh, streaming platforms that fight it and certain ones that don't uh, that go, oh, that's fair. You know, we're at $4.37 for every 1,000 streams right now. 
Um, if you break that up between publishers and songwriters, that's why I do love to write alone and publish alone. But with that said, it, it there is a, a, a bill on the table in Congress, and we're hoping it's going to pass, or has it passed? You may know more than me uh, uh, that will be triple. So it'll be about 44%. Is it, right now it's about 15-point-something percent. But where are we there? Do you know? Yes, that has passed. The Music Modernization Act is uh, what you're referring to that was passed uh, officially back in 2018. There's still been a bunch of challenges uh, to it as well, but it was kind of an incremental change um, so that I think the target was that full, uh, like, 40% difference uh, would be in full effect by 2022. So it's been incrementally changing a little bit uh, over time over the last few years. And, of course, those streaming services have uh, fought against it, uh, have actually countersued to try and keep from having yeah. to pay those extra royalties, which is astonishing to me that that could uh, be the case. It's one of those reasons that I don't subscribe to Spotify, but I do subscribe to <laughs> Apple Music just because Spotify sued to not have to pay money. And Apple Music said, no, we agree that we should pay more. So I agreed to give them my $10 a month instead of uh, some of the other companies just because they uh, have supported songwriters in a way that some of the other platforms have not. It's really interesting. It's really interesting how your entire platform is based off the music that we make, yeah. but, but they don't see the value in paying for it. It's the strangest sure. thing I've ever seen. It's like I'm trying to compare it to something, but there's really nothing you can compare it to. If you're on a restaurant and you, people come in and eat, but they, they never want to pay, they want to stream stream the food. <laughs> I don't know what happens in right. your bloodstream or your, or your body, how that digests or whatever. But we're with James Tilly, amazing singer, songwriter, publisher, producer, educator. So much makes this man, and it, I, I, as you can tell, I'm excited about getting to know him, and we're doing it all together in a Mississippi Minute. That's how us Mississippi people roll. You can't take the Mississippi out of two boys, that's for sure. Hey, uh, James, you get to play DJ, as we are the birthplace of American music. Would you like to hear, into the break, let's say Mississippi John Hurt or Paul Davis? Oh, I'm such a John Hurt fan. Let's do that. That's what we got. James Teeley in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out what you're going to be doing this weekend. Let's hear a little Mississippi John Hurt. I'm Steve Basil. Oh, yes, you got to walk that lonesome valley. Well, you got to walk. It's for yourself. It's nobody here. I'm still trying to find my way. Hey folks, for over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank. Member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. As we rock down a Mississippi Minute with two Mississippi boys who both love the city of New Orleans. Uh, James Teeley, just incredible singer, songwriter, publisher, educator. Uh, so many things make this man as you are finding out uh and we were fortunate enough 
in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio to have him. Visit Mississippi.org, folks. I know, I know you're going, there he goes again, but I'm going to keep coming because you will be astonished at what makes this great state so special, and that is our art form. It's incredible. Uh, James, let's dig into, uh, as an educator, when did all that start? I mean, you know, first of all, you seem to dig, really dig being an educator. You get excited. You light up. So do I. So you and I are a lot alike in that regard. When I spend my time at Delta State every month uh, over the last 10 years, I tell you, I come back so motivated and so excited and and, and rejuvenated because there's an opportunity for this next generation to have a spark and have an opportunity. And the ones that take it serious, serious, right? You just, you can see it in their eyes and, and hear it in their voice and see their effort. You know, so for you becoming an educator, where does that start? And, uh, and, and obviously, how'd you get to Delta State now? And the DMI? That really is uh, inspiring to get to sit in a room with students who are still dreaming about the kind of, uh, career that they can have sometimes it's uh, disheartening too because they you know come to learn how difficult the process it's going to be but i love getting to walk with uh, students and now uh seven or eight years into being an educator to get to celebrate the successes of students i've had over the years it's the richest part of what uh, i get to do after uh years as a writer some buddies who were uh teaching in a program at truett mcconnell college in uh Cle- that's actually cleveland georgia of all places, I met my second uh, Cleveland in my education career. Uh, in Cleveland, Georgia, they decided they wanted to offer a songwriting class to their students and asked if I would uh, do kind of a hybrid class where I would be on campus some and teach uh, online uh, some. And I first said yes, and then called one of my former professors from my undergrad program at Belmont University and said, so how do you teach a songwriting class? I can uh, just talk about songwriting, but to actually, you know, generate some kind of academic rigor and how do you give a test? And uh, that uh, professor was so remarkably helpful in helping me kind of think through how to structure a uh, songwriting class. And that was my first time ever. And in the process, he also invited me to do first a seminar with his students and then to, as an adjunct professor at Belmont, teach a couple of things. And I taught at uh, Trevecca then for a while and have uh, taught at Lipscomb as well. So that process, I think, for me of having to say, okay, I have now for the last 20 years in my career made choices off of instinct entirely. I feel like taking this direction is going to be better than taking that direction. But could I explain to a student if I had to why one direction uh, works better than another? Why having this melodic interval is more emotional than that one uh, would be, or why choosing this word is going to more emotionally connect with an audience member than another word could. So that process of just analyzing why I was making the choices that I was making in the co-writing room really just lit my fire, man. I got so excited about analyzing the process a little bit that in, you know, there, not everybody loves that. There are some of my friends who uh, I've co-taught with who I would talk into coming to teach a class, and after doing a semester, they've said to me, man, please don't ever make me do that again. That was the worst, and I feel like I'm so much better a songwriter now because I have taken the time to kind of analyze why something works. It means I've become a student of right. great commercially successful songs to try and figure out why they're connecting, not just... Uh, a fan of those songs, where in some cases I am a fan, but even songs that I don't 
personally like. If they're having commercial success, I'm, I can't wait to figure out why they're having commercial success. What is it about that song, about that recording that has uh, caused people to want to come back to it over and over again? So that was kind of my slow start into this process, and it's just expanded over time, and I've gotten a lot of unique opportunities along the way to teach abroad and to help develop new programs and to help redesign uh, some programs. I'm really just loving uh, that process. I met uh, Trisha Walker, who was uh, on the faculty there at Delta State at a conference, uh, actually, a few years ago, back in 2017, I believe, the uh, Music and Entertainment Industry Educators Association. We were having a conference in Chicago, and I met Trisha for the first time. That was the first time I learned both about Delta State and the Delta Music Institute, uh, and was uh, excited to hear about what she was doing. I heard about the record label fighting Okra Records that had uh, been That's started. That's exciting, there on by campus. the way. You know, I get excited about that. Anyway. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> that is just super cool. I'm getting to work with uh, that uh, record label project this next semester. I'm pretty excited to uh, dive into all of that. So she was the first one to tell me about it, and then uh, I connected with uh, Richard, uh, who is now the uh, director of that program, Richard Trimmel, um, and he said this last. Uh, fall that they had a songwriting class and didn't have uh, a faculty member set up to teach it and asked if I would just as an adjunct faculty member teach that one class and after a couple months he said you know maybe we could let this guy stick around a little bit longer (laughs) and uh, allowed me to join the faculty full-time in a unique role I'm getting to be full-time on the faculty but actually travel back and forth from Nashville. So yeah. three out of four weeks of the month, I'm in Nashville, and then one a week out of the month, traveling to Cleveland, Mississippi, to actually be face-to-face with the students. So teaching on, uh, online on Zoom some, and then there in person, which I love, man. I got out of class uh, Friday afternoon and went straight into lunch with the uh, A&R team from Curb Records. Out of that lunch, back into a, a co-writing session with one of my former students who is now just having a a banner year as a uh, songwriter. The fact that I could be present here uh, in Nashville for that, but also spend that morning present face-to-face over the computer with students in the uh, DMI program, was that's just a rare and unique opportunity. I'm really grateful to Delta State for providing me that opportunity to live in the best of both of those worlds. Well, the Delta State's uh, equally as grateful, and I can tell you I am too as well. I'm just excited about you being there with us, and uh, if folks that listen to this show know that I have celebrated everybody that's come along that I could that would get on the radio with me like you, <laughs> because <laughs> I do think it's important that, that folks know that there is a place that can develop talent and, and, and you get to know all facets of the business and learn to make music, have access to this incredible, these incredible studios, you know, that just sit, yeah. that just landed on the campus in the gym where I used to play hoops, you know, back in the day. <laughs> so it, it's always like I go in there and I keep looking for the basketball goals, but they're not there. But I'm happy about that because <laughs> my body can't take it anymore. So music is a lot better for both of us. You know, you bring up, you bring up something, you talk about kids these days, and do you think that maybe, let me see if I can, if I can articulate this question to, to you that'll make sense. You and I grew up, and we were unafraid, to, for the most part. We were determined uh, beyond belief. We just sort of just said, this is it. And nothing sort of was going to stop us. Now you have mm-hmm. access to all the doubt that is via the web, online, through social media. Now you have all of these doubters that sit there and it could run you off. 
you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So with you yeah. know with all this technology that's so wonderful, sometimes it takes being so naive that you didn't read the headlines. And I didn't read the headlines. I heard it every once in a while, but it wasn't enough to stop me or deter me. Do you think that that slows down the dream of the next generation? Without question, it slows down the dream and is the uh, most heartbreaking uh, part of this and is the foundation of why we do what we do. In fact, I would say that most of the creative positions in the music industry now have to operate with this same mindset. Our goal, both as uh, popular music educators and as folks working in the industry, is to be able to see potential in people that they may not see themselves, to be able to tell when something is not great yet, but it can be, and I can see the spark of uh, greatness that's there. And part of my responsibility as an educator sitting in the classroom is to be able to see inside the heart of a student something they may might not be able to uh, envision, yet a part of my work uh, in A&R for a record company is to be able to see in a song or see in a producer or see in one of the artists that I'm developing a level of potential that they may not be able to see themselves yet, but to then inspire them to reach for that, to try harder, to dig deeper, to be more vulnerable, more honest uh, as they seek uh, you know, a career in this, as they chase after a dream uh, in this industry. That certainly is at the core of what we do and is the reason I still want to keep doing this as long as I can, man. I want to be in the classroom working with talented young students for as long as I can just for that very moment you're describing of helping a student, a young artist, actually see for the first time what they could accomplish with the help of a good team around them of people who believe in them. Man, you're making me uh, motivated to stay in the classroom another couple years. There you go. I love it. That's going to be a good thing for all of us with James Teeley. I mean, just uh, I love your passion, James, and I love the fact that you dig being in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with me today, whether you're going to say it or not. Go to visitmississippi.org. We're going to take a quick break and wind it down uh, with my pal, James Teeley, my new pal, your new pal, in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We'll be right back. folks. For over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. James Teeley, go to visit Mississippi.org to find out what you're going to do this weekend. And trust me, it's going to be so cool. You're going to learn so much. Speaking of education in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, I've got an educator, a music maker, successful on every level of our business uh, James Teeley on the horn. James, you brought up something. I'm going to keep just just uh, tapping into some of the great points you're making as we go. 
Uh, developing acts, you just talked about that. You and I totally dig it. I love that part of it. Taking talent that you know, oh, that's special. Like when you first heard Lauren Daigle sing, you knew that something was there. You still have a bruise in the side from your buddy that, that poked you. <laughs> that's right. Although he didn't need to hit you because you knew yourself. But, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll tell you, I, I have seen it. And when you see it, you go, okay. But then there is the work ethic that's going to take for that talent. You, you are developing that talent, but are labels doing it in, on your side? Or they, or they, is it just like my world? Yeah, I just had that uh, conversation in one of our classes this week. In our uh, survey, the entertainment industry uh, class at Delta State, I had uh, one of my buddies who is a director of both A&R and publishing for an independent label here in Nashville served as a guest for us. And I asked this exact question because the conversation always varies these days, and I'm so excited uh, that it does. You know, the music industry was at, was at its peak in 1999. Uh, record labels had all kinds of money. They were investing, taking risks, trying to spend money to develop new talent. By 2015, uh, that had completely reversed. Everybody was in the tank. The industry had dropped in value from close to $40 billion to $8 billion over that 15 or 16 years record labels quit investing in anybody unless you were able as an independent artist to sell you know 20,000 copies of your record on your own they weren't even interested in talking to you they could take you from 20,000 to 200,000 but that critical stage of really developing talent they had just given up on altogether and I can guarantee you the conversations I've had with A&R guys over the last four or five years Finally, they have cracked the nut on streaming enough that record labels are beginning to invest money and take risks and sign talent already fully established yet. It hasn't uh, obviously even close to gotten back to what the music industry was like around 1999. But at least I have heard that optimism uh, from record labels more in the last uh, two or three years then I, I thought that was those days were just done. Mm -hmm. But they have now figured out streaming enough. You know, even with the pandemic hitting, um, there was about a 15% hit in income that record labels faced within the first month or two because it's not that people were listening to less music. It's that their streaming habits changed. All of a sudden, they're not driving to work in the morning and driving home in the uh -huh. afternoon. They're yeah. listening at different times. It took about a 15% dip and then almost immediately within a couple of months was back at normal listening levels and people were continuing to consume just as much music as they uh, were before so i there is real live optimism especially the younger the uh, uh creative director is the more likely they are to feel like oh we're ready to start taking some risks we're ready to uh, develop some right. uh, wild talent again you still have to have a great story you still have to stand out from the crowd but at least I uh, sense that optimism, uh, you know, across the spectrum in, in country and in pop and in certainly the Christian gospel world that I uh, primarily work in as well. Right. You know, you look at the numbers, you talk about 40 billion, a 40 billion dollar industry, right? Mm -hmm. That's big. And how do we let a 40 billion dollar industry let technology come along and we not be prepared at all but there were so many industries that weren't prepared <laughs> i mean so sure. so and and obviously we're passion-based business 
a lot of the people that get in our business are compassionate and passionate about what they do, right? But it's just the way we roll. I do want to say this, James Tilly, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Congratulations on your career. Thank you for coming and joining our team at Delta State and the DMI and, and having a, a, a worldwide bona fide success story like you uh, come down and be a part of what we're what we're attempting to do and we're doing means the world i can promise you that also you can't tell me that when you're driving from nashville and you get out of all that traffic and then all those 18 wheelers and all that you finally get off of 40 and you get to, you make your way to now 69 which is pretty peaceful and you cross over 55 which is not and then you all of a sudden get onto highway 61 you take a left and you head north you head which way you head south toward cleveland do you feel what i feel which is total peace <laughs> that's right the big open cotton fields on either side welcoming me to mississippi yeah i can go north to memphis and feel peaceful as well well listen i can't thank you enough james Tilly and the keep mississippi beautiful studio go to visit mississippi.org whole lot of wonderful cultural historical cool things to do right here in our glorious state i'm steve azar we'll see you later I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. I'm still trying to find my way. Hey folks, Steve Azar here. My friends at Guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at gbtonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Gallo knows Mississippi better than anyone. No one gets better interviews than him. Gallo. He asks all the questions everybody wants to know. Mornings on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.